Hi, I'm Beck Rayner and this is the Military Wife Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports and embraces the women behind the military men by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. Want to join a bank that just gets Defence Life? Defence Bank is one of Australia's largest customer-owned banks. They have 33 on-base branches across Australia, an award-winning banking app that allows you to do all your banking, wherever, whenever, and Defence Bank offers competitive products and services tailored for ADF members and defence spouses. Visit defencebank.com.au today and see how easy your banking can be. Well, welcome Dr. Steph Hodson, National Manager from Open Arms. Hi, Beck. I'm so pleased to be here today. Can you talk us through what exactly is Open Arms and how does that impact and how is it related to defence families? Open Arms is a national counselling service. It's a service that has offices all over Australia and it is available to anyone who has served one day in the ADF, their family and their children. And in fact, the service is a legacy of our Vietnam veterans. Our Vietnam veterans, they came back in the 70s and then in the 80s, they fought for a service that specialises in the issues that military people actually deal with and military families have to deal with. And the The legacy they've given us is today the government has opened this up so that anyone with one day full-time service, that individual, their partner and their children can actually get support from open arms. Recently, there was a change from the name of VVCS to Open Arms. Yep. What was behind the name change? Yeah, many people may have heard in the past of VVCS. It was just a little bit confusing. We worked actually with our Vietnam veteran cohort to come up with the new name through our National Independent Advisory Committee. And VVCS started as the Vietnam Veterans Counseling Service. And then in when the peacekeeping cohorts came through, they expanded the name to be the Veterans and Veterans Families Counselling Service. But people were still finding it confusing. And what we did was we actually did a national sort of consultation process and we came up with four potential names. And we were going through options. And one of the names that was on the table was the open arms name. And I personally, I was thinking, oh, how will this go? Because I always got the, the fact that it's supportive, that thing of when you come back from deployment and you know, your family's there and it's about that sort of wrapping your arms around someone. But at the table was a Vietnam veteran. And David Cochran, who had served in Vietnam, said to us, in Vietnam, it took one person to have to call in support with the helicopters. So when the helicopters were would come in with the supplies and with the medical supplies quite often a smoke grenade would go off and the enemy would often also send off those smoke grenades so it did require one person to have the courage to step out into that field with their arms raised so the Australians could identify the Australians so for us open arms is a symbol of courage and support and being that person who's willing to put your arms up and say it's because sometimes it takes a bit to ask for support whether you're a family member a serving member or a child in a family. So Open Arms is both about support, but it's also about courage. 
you mentioned that an ADF member who's been in one day, 10 years, you just have to have that minimum one day service to be able to access open arms. What about for spouses and family members of ADF members? How do they go about accessing open arms and do they have to have been recognized as a spouse or as a family member or a dependent for a certain amount of time? Or can they also access from, you know, that one day of service? The way it pretty much works is that if you've been the spouse of someone while you're still with that serving spouse or ex-spouses up to five years or while you're co-parenting children. So basically um, it is about providing support to both serving members and their families. So we do say to people, if in doubt, ring our 1800 number because um, the spouses and the children actually have eligibility within their own right. And you don't need to still be immediately with the spouse to actually access the service. You can just ring up independently. The way it really works is, is it's really the current family of the individual or if there's children living with an ex-spouse, that family is also supported. It is about providing support where the family has been impacted by the military service. And what I normally say to people is the best idea is ring up and have a chat because our people on the phone lines will also give you advice. So if you're not completely eligible, sometimes we can point you to the right direction to actually get the support you need. And when there's a service death, we actually provide support to parents and siblings as well. And what about, I guess there might be some confusion in regard to, say, for instance, a spouse that has a partner that's only just gone off to recruits or, you know, is is just doing their initial training. And that's a huge change for a couple to go from a civilian couple to a defense couple and then for that spouse to be alone for months on end. Are they eligible to access the services as well? 100%. The minute the person's got on that bus or even in the lead up, you could be giving us a call if you're actually concerned because of the fact that, yeah, the one day the family is in and it is one of the things people do find. Sometimes it's a little bit tough when the partner's left and you're trying to think, what are they going through? We actually have just simple phone counselling support. We can provide face-to-face services, but we also have lived experience ADF personnel and family who actually can provide support as well. So sometimes it's not about talking to about a counsellor. Sometimes it's about talking to someone who's also been through it. We have about 50 lived experience full-time workers, our peer workforce. And initially it was just the serving members. And then we sort of realised half of the people who access our service are the families. So every year about 37,000 people access the service and half of those are families. And so we've actually added family peers into our network. So sometimes when you know people are struggling what we do is we put them on to someone who's actually lived the experience who can actually talk them through some of the issues as well as putting them onto a counsellor for some of those more serious problems and it can actually happen in tandem you might be talking to a peer about just what it means about service life but also talking to a clinician if there's you know more serious feelings of depression some spouses or family members might be a bit hesitant and a little bit nervous when they call in regards to what kind of information they have to provide to, I guess, prove that they are a spouse or that their partner is in defence when they call through, what information do they need to provide to be able to go forward with accessing support? All they need to do is tell us their name, what their connection to the military is. So 
you just explain your story. But in reality, what we do find is we actually don't go doing any checks because there's most people who ring up are actually eligible in some way uh, or connected to us in some way. And as I said, if someone isn't eligible, we will then work with them to find out an option for mental health support. We also have a duty of care. If someone's ringing up in, in distress, we will actually take some time to talk to them. And I always say to people, give us a call because, you know, it might not be that you go on into counselling, but often that chat to someone who understands the military can make a massive difference. We don't tell someone's unit. You can just ring up give your details and we will start you in the process. Do those accessing open arms, do they talk to a counsellor or a psychologist? How does it work and what's the sort of difference in regard to who they actually go on to talk to or see when they go for an appointment? We have a range of services. So when you first ring up, you will talk to one of our admin team who will find out what it is you're looking for because some people are just ringing up and they're booking in for one of our mental health training courses in suicide prevention. But if you've rung up and said, I would like to have counselling, you will immediately be put through to one of our clinical counsellors and they will talk through what the issue is so that way we can figure out what the best support will be. So everyone who's on the counselling line actually in that first intake process is a mental health professional but it might not be the one that you continue talking to because it's a range of issues why people actually come in and then what we do is we'll sometimes we'll say to people if someone's worried about their sleep they might decide they want to do individual counseling or they might decide they want to do one of the group sleep treatment programs so that first conversation is about what you need and what are your options for support like I said anyone you're talking to on the phone in that first assessment will be a mental health professional however you might then get referred to a psychologist a clinical social worker we have some mental health LTs in our system it's got to do with what your need is is who you end up then working with or one of our lived experience mental health peers all who have a cert for in mental health as well and what are some of the signs and symptoms that people might look for for in an ADF member or in themselves that might indicate that they should give you guys a call and and seek some sort of help or support? I would say if you're finding that you're ruminating on something that is really making you anxious. So the most common reason that people will actually come into counselling to tell the truth is normally someone in their family has said, you're very difficult to live with and I really need you to talk to someone. But If you're living by yourself or you're separated from your service spouse, it may be that you're just finding you're really anxious or you're shorter with the kids than you normally are and it's not going away. You know, all of us have days where we're anxious and especially during COVID, it's not been easy for anybody. And I know a lot of people are separated by borders and we've got a lot of families who marriage separated has taken on a whole new meaning. It's hard to get back and see your spouse or people are supporting COVID at the moment. What I would say is if you find that you're feeling like this for more than a couple of days and that your normal way of breaking yourself out of it, most of us have some self-care, go for a walk, you know, read our favorite book. But if you still find you're feeling really anxious or really down or you're just not sleeping you can ring up and have a talk to one of our guys on the line the guys are there 24 hours a day so after hours you're always when you ring up you'll get to talk to a clinician and they can talk through to you some coping strategies for that day or for that moment and then they could talk to you about what your options are whether it's face-to-face during COVID we're doing a lot of online type work and we're doing a lot of tele appointments with people either talking on the phone or talking through zoom 
which is a great way of sometimes getting support quickly when you're, you're going through a tough time. I sort of say to people, you don't always have to go into long-term counselling. Sometimes it's about ringing up and getting just some strategies to get through the next couple of weeks. Nine out of 10 defence spouses wish they found out about defence banks sooner. Okay, I might have just made that up and they do sponsor my podcast, but I've checked them out and I think they're worth a look just for their banking app alone. It's award-winning, has cool features like fast same-day payments, card alerts and controls, and pin change functionality, savings roundups, Apple Pay, Google Pay, Fitbit Pay, Garmin Pay, the list goes on. Oh, and if you really want to go to a branch, you can. There are 33 on-base branches across Australia. Banking as a defence spouse doesn't have to be hard. For more info, visit defencebank.com.au. And also, I guess on the flip side is it's handy to remember that you don't always have to be accessing open arms in crisis. You can actually access open arms just to keep on top of your mental health in general. 100%. And I'd really encourage people to have a look at the website. We have a living well section, which a lot of our, our peers and our clinicians have worked to put together. And it is tricks and tools. So at the moment on the website, there's some good stuff around resiliency and recovery post the bushfires. There's a whole section around calming and coping during COVID. And it's about those simple things that, you know, as military families, everyone's pretty resilient in the sense that they've actually used these skills before. When you're moving towns, you're having to set up new networks. But that doesn't mean that there aren't moments in our lives all of us experience where, especially if there's a negative life event, you know, maybe a grief, maybe someone's sick, and you think this is getting a little bit more than I can handle by myself. At that point, have a look at the self-help tools on the website, but never ever feel you can't just also just jump on the phone and have a chat. Also in that regard, if you were keeping on top of your mental health and were, I guess, maybe having regular appointments or, you know, just checking in every few few months when you needed to, when, you know, it did come time for a separation or a deployment or some sort of crisis event, you've built that foundation and you have that person to go to. Definitely. And when people do ring up and say, hey, I've had a period of time, I have saw someone a little while ago and I'm back now, can I talk to them again? Most definitely. As long as the counsellor is available, we, we will get that person back into that the counsellor that they've been seeing previously. The other thing too is we all at different points in our lives will face challenges and having someone just independent from our family and friends will often tell us what we want to hear, not what we need to hear. So people often say to me, why talk to someone outside of my family it's like well sometimes we need to hear stuff from someone who isn't invested in what's actually occurring at the moment and they'll give some nice independent advice and suggest some tools and then it's about working through together what works best and as you said Beck, it's also fine to, to work on looking after your, your well-being lots of people I've talked to around there the building blocks are sleep exercise eat the right stuff and be connected to people and when you're finding that in one of those areas you're really struggling you can just come in and get some help whether it's I need to lose some kilos so that I can get out exercising again and I need to talk to someone about some good behavior strategies to do that or whether it's just you know we all need to sleep and it's probably one of the best symptoms that you know you need to have a chat to someone if you're not sleeping well there's lots of good strategies that can be taught to somebody to help them get their sleep back on track and it's amazing if you have a few really really good nights sleep how the world seems easier to cope with and of course like you mentioned you know if it's coming from friends and family sometimes we we aren't as 
receptive to going forward and making those changes or taking those steps. Whereas if, you know, a professional's telling us, you know, these things are proven to work, give it a go for me and come back and report back. And the best way to change a behavior is tell somebody who's then going to ask you. So, you know, lots of us have good intentions tonight. I'm not going to play on my iPhone, you know, or, or watch the tally in bed, but it's different when you've got someone in a week's time that you're going to go back and report to. And open arms, like you mentioned earlier, isn't just for people who are partners of serving ADF members, ex-partners can still access it. Kids of ADF members can access support and couples can access support. There's a whole range. Um, So definitely we have some of the more family-orientated programs that we run are P4P Parenting. So we'll actually run parenting programs. Again, like you said, sometimes it's not waiting till there's actually a problem. Getting involved in things early, all of us as parents ask ourselves, are we doing the right thing? So there's some good programs like P4P for parenting, but also for couples. Sometimes um, moving around Australia, spending time away from your spouse, it means you can disconnect and you, even when you don't mean to. And we do have couples counselling, but we also have lifestyle management programs where couples get to go away for a weekend and actually work through some issues in a small group. So I think sometimes being with other military families can also give you that ability to build a network of support. So we have a a range of programs that people can do. There's also family counselling because at different points in everyone's life, you can have some challenges with different members of the family and coming in and having that independent voice can make a difference. In the same way that a spouse would access that support, the, the first step for accessing the parenting program or the couples program, that would be through the 1800 number? The door for everything is through the 1800 number. And like I said, and then they will triage you to the right part of the organisation to get you linked to what you actually need. So we're really lucky in the sense that we are one of the few mental health services that actually is allowed to see the individual and the family at the same time. Often, mental health services tend to focus on just one part of the population, whereas thanks to our Vietnam veterans, this is a wraparound service for the individual and the family, but always remembering family can come in even if the individual isn't ready to. In regard to, I guess, you know, obviously defence families move around the country and they want to continue accessing the support if they want to keep on top of things. Is it possible for them to keep the same counsellor or psychologist or whoever they are seeing and do over-the-phone appointments? How does it work with moving and and finding a new person to see? I must admit, COVID's probably given us nudge in completely the right direction. It's just shown us just how much you can do using online counselling and that was actually pretty tough a few years ago but today and this year in particular we now have a very secure platform one of the things about doing tele mental health work or any type of telehealth is you want a secure platform that you know that your information you're talking about is not being recorded in some way so we actually use a special telehealth platform the servers are here in australia it's a commonwealth government platform which makes sure that we we are doing it in a really safe way and a very confidential way but it also means that we can now do counseling across states or people have actually moved we're far more equipped thanks to this year to be able to do that sort of um, more flexible service delivery 
also if people are really wanting to access that face-to-face support they're still able to do that even during COVID? Yeah we've been pretty fortunate in the sense that we've except for Melbourne at the moment all our offices are open and in fact we've stayed open right through because some people really wanted or needed the face-to-face and we've got some brand new offices that have just opened now in Ipswich and we will have one shortly Rockingham opening which is near the Navy base over in Perth so we've now got 38 locations by which we actually deliver open arms and a network of about 900 outreach counsellors who've stayed connected with us throughout the COVID year so that we can normally get a face-to-face appointment for someone. Sometimes there's a little bit of wait while we wait for their an appointment to become available, but we can normally get people in. Speaking of wait time, like what is the general process once someone calls up and says, yep, I would like some support? What happens? Do you send a referral to the people in their location? How does that sort of work? So we have a mixture of sometimes there might be, depending on the nature of the problem, what we try and do is match the individual with the best counsellor for the type of issue. So if you're someone who's coming in and it's a couples issue, we'll be making sure we get you on to the next best couples counsellor. So sometimes there can be a little wait while we wait for their books to open up for a space, but we offer phone counselling until that actually appointment. So if someone needs support immediately, and we also will triage. So it's really important when people ring up that they're really clear if they need help now. One of the problems we find with defence families and military is they'll tend to say to us, oh, I can wait. But in fact, if you've got a problem right now, you need to let us know because we'll we'll try and match you to someone quicker. Quite often what we'll do is the conversation will be, where do you live? What's the problem? And, and then try and find the right clinician for that individual as close as possible, especially if it's going to be ongoing counselling. Sometimes it might mean waiting a month to get to see that person as long as it's not an emergency. So if that makes sense, like in an emergency, we always deal with it. But sometimes there might be a little bit of a wait while we get the right counsellor because you might be seeing that person for a period of time and it's better to have someone who is working in the next suburb than having to travel across town. And what about in regard to crisis support for ADF members and spouses and and family members? What type of crisis support is offered and, and what sort of situations is crisis support, I guess, considered to be crisis? What I would say is any member or family where you have a, an immediate need for accommodation and we have this happen sometimes, we can provide up to five days of accommodation in a hotel. So sometimes family situations, even with the best of intentions, get quite difficult. And if any part of the family is feeling at risk, we can actually provide support. So if it's better for the family to have some time out so that either the individual who's too angry has some time out or the family doesn't feel safe, we can actually put people in accommodation. What we normally do is we find that within that five-day period, we will link them to the community supports they need. So if someone feels that they're at risk, they're in danger, they should give us a call and we can provide immediate accommodation while we link them to other services. And the same is if someone was ever to find themselves, like we had a young girl ring us one evening where she'd had a terrible fight with the family, a young serving member, and she'd driven off and she hadn't even taken her purse. We were able to to pop her into accommodation and then we worked through the issues the next day. So we never want someone to be unsafe. So in a real crisis situation, you have no money and you have nowhere to stay, we would really want someone to call open arms and we will organise support. And is that also the case for a domestic violence situation? Definitely in a domestic violence situation. Yeah. So if, if someone felt that they needed to leave and they needed to leave straight away, then yes, give us a call and we'll organise support. And does open arms give any 
any information or statistics to defence to help guide future supports or areas of concern? So if, say, for instance, 30% of people are accessing open arms because of problems with their partner transitioning home or, you know, 50% of people are accessing open arms because their child's having problems when the member's deployed. Does any of that information get provided to defence to help with providing better supports for defence members and, and their families? We do work really closely with both Joint Health Command and Defence Family Organisation to look at trends across the board. When we're looking at trends, we're only using de-identified data. I want to make it really clear, we only talk to Defence when the individual asks us to do that. And sometimes there are times when it's really important that we actually get back in contact with Defence or sometimes to get entitlements with the person's consent. We'll actually talk also to the bigger part of Department of Veterans Affairs. But we are a very confidential service and in that sense when someone comes to us it'll only be ever be generic trends that we talk about however we definitely do talk about trends um, and try and feedback where we think there might be a problem especially also at a regional level not just at a national level well thank you so much for coming on the podcast Steph and talking us through all that open arms provides for defense members and their families and spouses and who can access at what point and how we we go about doing that thank you so much for talking to us today Beck, thanks so much. I must admit, when I served in defence, I didn't really understand what an amazing legacy our Vietnam veterans had given us in the sense that this national counselling service that's there for the member, their family, their children, while they're serving, after they're serving, and the fact that it has everything from self-health resources right through to -to face-to-face and group programs was available. I know that when I came back from operations, people often gave me the old BVCS card and people today would would be given the open arms card. The trouble is at that time, you often just don't know that you need the support. So you pop it on your desk or it maybe ends up in the in the rubbish bin. And opportunities like this, like your podcast, are just so invaluable as an opportunity just to let all the defence serving, ex-serving families and their kids know that, you know, the service is there for them. I so hope you were able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarywifelife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 